Welcome to Dungeons & Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and today I'm digging deep into processing wants and needs. If you'd like to support the podcast and fund new monsters, bonus episodes, downloadable recipes, and adventure modules, head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. You've made the big order. A ton of new miniatures, all highly detailed. All of the dragons, goblins, towers, and rubble you could ever need to make the epic battlefield of your dreams. You click purchase, knowing that in just a few short days, the infinite possibilities of miniatures on your tabletop will soon be at your fingertips. The box arrives. You tear it open, ecstatic to see what's inside. But soon, the joyous moment passes. The box ends up unopened, still in its cellophane wrap, atop several other boxes of unpainted miniatures. What went wrong? I have been in this position far too many times, at least specifically with miniatures, although it happens with a lot of other things. And while there is a whole complex series of emotions and psychology involved in why these miniatures remain unpainted in my art room, there are a few similarities and some places where we can dig into what's going on with how we interpret the things that we want and desire versus the things that we need. One of the first and probably least often talked about topics that I want to get into regarding this is the concept of miswanting. And specifically, miswanting really just means that there is a disconnect between how much we think we're going to enjoy an event or a purchase or an object and how much we actually enjoy it when we get to that event. And there's a huge difference between understanding a want versus a like. And a want specifically means that we are predicting how we are going to feel about it in the future. And a like is just something that I, you enjoy. So in situations where I find myself liking a situation, there is a feeling that kind of wells up inside of me, it's pleasurable, I find myself enjoying the moment, and when I want something, what that means is I am expecting to like it in the future. And there's a huge distinction to be made here, because a lot of times in my experience, uh, my ability to predict how much I am going to like or dislike something, this works in the opposite as well, how much I'm going to like something in the future is almost never exactly correlated with how much I really like it. It's usually one extreme or the other. I either like it a lot more than I thought I would have, or I don't find myself in a position of unbridled ecstasy when, you know, the box of miniatures arrives or the new rulebook, or even in things like uh, getting a magical weapon or a new level of a character. I can spend days or weeks fawning over what's going to happen and how I'm going to handle the getting a new class ability when I finally reach the next level and how it's going to completely change my character and everything about gameplay and I'm just so focused on how much I'm going to like that in thing in the future and then when I finally level up and I write the ability down I'm really happy for a really short period of time and then quickly find myself going back to this kind of default state 
or maybe I start wanting the next thing just as much, not taking the time to really enjoy and like the situation that I have made for myself or the situation that I found myself in, instead focusing on the future instead of the present. On the flip side, this also works with the situations in where we predict, or where I predict at least, I think a lot of people deal with this, but predicting how much I'm going to dislike something. Of course, uh, we can see this a lot in food, in trying new food, uh, with myself with really picky tastes, or with kids. Uh, My tastes and kids' tastes are pretty close, so how much I am going to dislike something in the future, something I haven't eaten yet, or maybe something that I've had before, and it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but when I'm thinking about having it, I'm reflecting upon this bad negative experience, and it doesn't even have to be a really negative experience. It can be a very minorly negative experience. I myself am not the biggest fan of broccoli, but really, I'm not... I don't hate broccoli. I, in fact, don't mind it at all in a lot of situations and a lot of ways that it can be cooked. I I rather enjoy it. It's fine. But my brain is locked into these moments where it thinks I'm really going to hate that when I eat it. And I will avoid it. Like, I'll engage this avoidant mechanism where I'll start building up how bad and terrible it's going to be, how much it's going to ruin the meal, and... But then when I actually get to the situation and I sit down at the table and I pick up a fork and I eat a piece of broccoli, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not bad. Or maybe even sometimes like, hey, that was, that was a really new way to cook it. I really enjoyed it, you know, this different seasoning blend or flavor that we put on it. And like, oh, wow, this is this was a lot better than I expected it to be. So that's some that's still kind of categorized as miswanting where you think that it's going to be a much worse event than it actually ends up being. And even though this is kind of a dislike, that's a harsh term to use because we just said that that the like portion is your level of enjoyment, where your want portion is your prediction of the future. And we have a bit of a psychological defense mechanism that's built into us that wants to make sure that we are always in a good state, that we're always going to be protected, and this works physically with your immune system, but it also works psychologically with your nervous system. And there are things in place that want to avoid discomfort, because discomfort usually comes with negative outcomes, at least in the back of our minds we kind of think that way. And One of the things that can kind of happen with this is that this is somewhat of an antiquated system. It's built upon years and years and generations of having to defend against the cold of night or winter or defend against attacks of, you know, predators. And it doesn't really know how to cope with the modern day realities of, you know, having you know, if your your basic needs are met, if I have food and shelter and my house is, you know, at a decent temperature, then my brain is totally comfortable in just sitting there and maybe finding a mate or maybe not just, you know, couch, blanket, movie, snacks, happy. 
there's very little else that my brain is trying to seek out and and find in that situation until I get lonely and need, you know, psychological comfort of others. But what happens then is that my brain will process a minor negative threat, something like, oh, no, I'm going to be sore if I work out, or I, I may not like failing at painting a miniature, or what if I paint it wrong? And what happens is your brain takes this little negative thing and blows it out of proportion. All, all my brain knows is discomfort bad, discomfort danger. So it'll immediately engage and throw up defense mechanisms to make sure that I avoid discomfort because it's going, everything is comfortable and dandy right now. We're, all, we're under the blanket. We're warm. We have snacks. We don't need any discomfort because discomfort could be dangerous. And finding ways to get through that is something that I've seen a lot of people struggle with. I've had several comments that I've, that I've made. Uh, kind of talking to other people with, and I'd struggle with it a lot too. As an artist and a creative, getting through that dissenting voice or that feeling where it, it happens to me the most when I'm uh, at work at my day job. And all I can think about all day is when I get out of work, I am going to go home or I'm, in my case, go to the out of my home office and I'm going to have time to paint my miniatures. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be a blast. I'm going to plan the next bit of a campaign. I'm going to build a new monster. I'm going to do something really creative and fun and enjoyable. And the minute that I'm off work and I have a moment to decompress and I go, all right, well, I've thought about it all day. All I've wanted to do is go into my art room and paint a miniature. Let's go do that. And suddenly there's this massive rejection. Like I can feel my whole like parasympathetic nervous system just push back against that. Like, no, don't want to do it. And it's almost like a feeling of fear or distress. And I have to take a moment and think about like, why is this happening? Why am I suddenly against the thing that I've wanted to do all day? Why am I suddenly struggling? I've wanted this all day, and now that I can have it, now my reaction is to immediately reject it. And there's a lot of reasons that kind of go into that. We won't go into all of my therapy and whatnot, but one of them is that this feeling of distress is natural, but it's also very weak. And it feels very intense. And if you let your brain latch onto it, it'll become more and more intense. You'll suddenly start thinking of all of the, or at least I will start thinking of all of the reasons why I don't want to do that thing. Instead of realizing that it was just my defense mechanism of keeping me from feeling any discomfort. But if, if, you, if I don't take a moment to rationalize that that's all it was, I will spiral into all of these thoughts, all of these negative emotions about why I could do literally anything else with my time, and I probably should do those things, and that's where we get into wants versus needs. And so what I mean by this is not just our physical needs or our mental emotional needs, but the act of wanting versus the act of needing. One of the things that I'm really trying to train myself out of right now is feeling like I need to do stuff. 
I will think to myself all the time about the things that I would like to do or want to do, but I'll frame them as needs. I need to write the next chunk of my campaign. I need to paint a miniature. And I'm not really thinking about it when I, when I say these things to myself or when I think them. I'm just like, oh yeah, I need to paint a miniature today. Instead, what I should be thinking is I would like to paint a miniature today because that's the truth of the situation. I actually do want to do it. I don't feel like I have to do it or face grave punishment. I am not even actively running a campaign right now. So if I want to write campaign things, there's no time crunch. There's no pressure from other players expecting me to run the game for them. But even if there was, framing it as I need to do this by Saturday is a way of kind of stressing your brain out. And instead of thinking of the negative aspect of if I don't write this campaign chunk, there's not going to be anything for the players to do. They're going to hate Saturday. They're not going to want to play. And the game's going to fall apart and everything's going to get terrible. You see how quickly you can spiral into that headspace. But if you think about the positive framing, just reframe it from a positive aspect. If you take a stop, like a moment to stop thinking and then take a deep breath and then reframe it from a positive outlook, it can change everything. So we'll take that same moment of I need to write a campaign and we're going to stop, think about it for a second and go, no, I want to write the next campaign chunk because I want my players to have a great time because I want them to experience this next chunk of the story because I want them to fight this cool monster that I've thought up. And all of the sudden, just by reframing the same exact scenario, you can approach it from a much more positive outlook. And yeah, I'm going to, there's almost no time where I'm working on campaign stuff that I'm stressed out and hating it. If I hate writing a campaign, I'm probably going to hate running that campaign. And there's really not a whole lot of point in doing that. There's no D&D is better than bad D&D, as a lot of places will tell you. And why should I frame something that I would like to do from the perspective of something that I wouldn't like to do? I don't generally like doing things that I need to do. Um, whether that be, <laughs> and really the only needs should be those, those generic self-care needs, but even framing them that way is a really, you, I can put myself in a bad situation. Like I need to go grocery shopping may actually be true. I could be completely out of food and it is a need to happen, right? I need to be able to feed myself. But the reality of the situation is, is that I would like to feed myself, and therefore, I would like to go to the grocery store, and I would like to purchase food that I want to eat. Just reframing from wants or need to want is kind of that first step. But then we've also talked about miswanting, and how how can we correlate those things? And I think that the thing is is that wants are not always bad. It's the prediction of how much you think you're going to enjoy it that can get at least get me into some trouble on not taking the time to step into the moment and enjoy the situation. I can want to play a game uh, all week and then sit down to play it and feel 
disillusioned or you know judgmental about the players at the table or you know not enjoy my own actions or the hand of cards that I was dealt or the tokens that I have to play or I can take a step back and anticipation is fine anticipation is a great feeling we've talked about that in some previous episodes it's it's a good way to you know get players to go in a direction is to build anticipation for them it's fine to enjoy that but to overindulge in how I think I'm going to enjoy a future moment is a good way to set myself up for not enjoying it. Instead, what I should be doing is taking the time to simply enjoy and not predict that I'm going to love it or hate it, but just this kind of mindfulness, just sit in the moment and feel what I'm feeling. If I don't like it, then that's fine. It's totally acceptable to not like it. Um, but to spend all of my time thinking about how much I'm going to like or dislike a thing is a, is a real good way of taking me out of enjoying what's actually in front of me, right? So mindfulness practice is, it, it is a practice. It's something that you have to do over and over, and there is no uh, getting good or perfecting it. But I think that it's something that uh, I'm glad is becoming a lot more popular nowadays because it really is something that it's just all about enjoying the present moment. And I think that that's great advice for, you know, D&D as well as for, you know, any other TTRPG and, and in cooking. I think that this can come in these little micro moments where I find myself predicting how much I'm going to love my next turn in combat. Oh, I'm going to cast this spell and I'm going to get the, the last hit. I'm going to kill the monster. Or we're going to get through this scenario or whatever. And I think about that and repeat it over and over in my head instead of paying attention to what's going on in combat and enjoying the moments that other players are creating at the table and finding ways to riff off of them and build a an experience together, I can get caught just thinking about what I'm going to do in my next turn. And then it gets to my turn and I roll the dice and it's a miss. And it's not a critical miss, so I can't even embellish it in some great way that way it's just a kind of standard miss miss my attack next turn and that can take a lot of steam out of the moment whereas if i wasn't spending that whole time thinking about how great it was going to be when i hit and instead was just enjoying the combat that was happening at the table, enjoying being with friends, seeing things progress, and finding ways to deal with whatever roles I ended up with, I'd probably have a lot more fun in doing that. In food, this can crop up in a number of different ways. Personally, every time that I go shopping, I think that I am just going to, I'm going to become the biggest tea person. I'm going to have every flavor of tea. I'm going to drink tea every day. I'm going to make the coolest teas with the best herbal blends. I'm going to add, you know, fancy honeys to them and milk and do all of these wild, cool things with tea. But when I, and I'm even excited to buy the tea and I get home and the tea goes immediately onto a shelf where it stays unopened until maybe some rainy day months down the line where I think to myself, oh, I'd like to have a glass of tea. Because the problem is, is while I love drinking tea, 
I'm not the biggest fan of making tea. It's not that difficult. There's not much effort involved in making tea. It's boiled water and leaves and even or tea bag like you don't even have to get into like loose leaf blends where that could have more mess involved right or having to clean out a strainer oh lord but when i think about how much i'm going to enjoy being a tea drinker or how much i'm going to enjoy a cup of tea i'm miswanting i i am thinking about the end product instead of taking a moment to ask myself, am I willing to go out of my way to make tea in the first place? Am I willing to make it happen? And I think that that's that happens all the time. Uh, any number of times where I think in the grocery store about how all the healthy things that I'm going to cook, and I come home with a bunch of healthy food, and then immediately go, gee, I wish I had a frozen pizza to throw in the oven, right? Like, it's those moments where you, there's a disconnect between the person that we actually are and the person that we want to be. And it's great to want to be a better person. I have been taking huge steps. I've been reading tons of books and seeing a therapist and talking with other people about aspirations and goals and healthy goal setting and ways to reframe thoughts from a better perspective. And it's great. That's a that's a good thing to do. The the difficulty is in catching those little moments where we treat ourselves with a little bit more kindness and honesty. While I'm going to get a bunch of healthy food and make some plans to make a few healthy dinners, maybe I shouldn't try to jump to being a superhuman person or at least a superhuman version of myself, right? Like, not just trying to reframe it from some subjective perspective, but really taking a moment to say, there's probably going to be a moment this week where I am going to want a frozen pizza. And maybe even today, especially if I'm spending several hours running errands, I'm going to come home tired, and I'm going to unpack all the groceries and put them all up, and the last thing that I am going to want to do after I do all of that is cook some big fancy healthy meal and that's fine but being honest with myself about it and honest with my prediction taking the time like predicting is is a good thing to do i'm not saying never predict anything um there are some maybe some buddhist practices that would get into enlightenment is never assuming anything is going to happen but realistically i like to plan forward and so, but being honest with that planning is what's important. And knowing that a gradual iterative change to my existence is going to be a more likely scenario for me to get the end results that I want, instead of thinking that I can change everything about myself today and not fall back into the same habits that I've spent a lifetime building tomorrow. And habits are a whole different ball game that I think I want to get into at some point. But I think that the the lessons between just recognizing wants versus needs, and this is something that you can apply to others as well. When you watch other players at a table and you hear them talk about the items that they want or the characters that they want or the plot themes that they want, and then 
kind of see what happens when they are given threads in that direction, you can kind of gauge how interested they actually are and the genuineness of their prediction. And that's something that you can use to help better tailor the future experiences that you give to players. And it's also a, an interesting way to think about, yes, give players the things that they want to have, the experiences they want to have, lead them in that direction, but also throw in a few experiences that, not that they, you know, don't throw them experiences that they explicitly said they don't want, right? We've talked about communication and not doing that, don't cross those lines, but maybe throw them some things that they weren't expecting and see if they might find out that they enjoy the broccoli of combat, um, you know, a little bit more than they expected they did, or exploration or puzzles or a political scenario. And you never know, they may end up finding that moment to roleplay their character out and suddenly get really invested in the going-ons of a political encounter in a town, even though they said that they weren't really into that sort of thing. Um, again, don't cross any lines that were specifically kind of drawn up in a session zero as hard stops or anything, but you can reassess some of that and sprinkle in a little, a few things here and there to see if uh, you can change your, your your players from being, you know, murder hobos to uh, political idealists. And But just realize that, again, that is should be a slow, iterative thing. You should give them small tastes of it. Do not try to give your players an entire plate of broccoli and convince them that it is bacon, because that is not going to happen. Um, but, you know, sprinkle a little bit of it in and be honest with the judgment of other people's characters again talk about it afterwards ask if it was good if it's something that they were interested in and may want to see more of and see if they were actually just miswanting how much or you know kind of mischaracterizing how much they thought they hated political encounters because of some prior experience versus this new experience and maybe it ended up being a little bit better in the end so that's all for the episode today. Please let me know your thoughts, comments, or episode ideas. All of my links and contact information can be found on the card website that's down in the show notes, or you can just hit me up on Twitter. If you're interested in supporting the show and would like to fund more bonus content, consider tossing some coins over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddidders. If you're looking for another great podcast to listen to, my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, is a video gaming long-form podcast about why gaming matters with some really interesting guests recently, so I really urge you to check it out. We've had some amazing interviews, and it is co-hosted by myself and my dear friend, Walker Near, who is an amazing co-host, and I love him to death. So, I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.